0: Hi Zach. Hello Tim. Allegedly, great to see you. Yes. Allegedly, the Super Bowl will be announced probably later in the world, uh, in in the coming months. But they're saying it's going to be Miley Cyrus and Harry Styles. What are your thoughts oh, really? on that? Oh really? Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, they're big. Uh, they're big A-list super superstars. So I, uh, I think great from a publicity standpoint. Not necessarily the biggest amongst the football crowd, but kudos to the nfl to broaden their audience
0: still mad taylor swift said no that would have been great but she did this made me think of um something that you went to recently you went and saw ed sheeran uh at a concert did he do an m&m song there well that, that the song that song is a
1: it is a m&m ed sheeran collaboration so it is. he just did. yeah 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 so when so he, he was when he did it in detroit it was just easy for him to call on Eminem to come on stage, which I but guess Eminem, Eminem
0: doesn't, doesn't tour. I don't know. Um, yeah. It was a good rendition. It was, it was great. He sang the Dido part really good. Brought me back to like 2000, you know, driving down the, driving down my 1978 Caprice classic, you know, with uh, <laughs> in my house speakers in the, in the trunk. Um, I don't know when that song came out. So, so Eminem did not, come to DC. It's not like he tours with him. Does that? No, no, he does. No,
1: he just happens since he lives up and is from Detroit. It worked out for him to do that
0: show. Hmm. Is it disappointing to see that some musicians come out in situations like that? And then not the ones that you're at. Do you get
1: I've never been that? to a show where there happened to be somebody that, that was a surprise um, guest appearance. I guess that's a downfall of us living in uh, the, the, the cul de sac of Virginia, right? That just.
0: I mean, there's a lot of musicians from here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, but in terms of, I'm trying to think. Now, I think the only, the, in recent history, I think the only time that I can remember when Stefani did a show at the amphitheater and Lake Sheldon came out to do uh, a duet with her. And so that was a pretty, that made some headlines.
0: Are they married? They are. All right. Well, that's not that But that was before before they were married. I see. I see. Today's show has nothing to do with music. Maybe we'll get in to talk to some music. Today we have uh, a wonderful guest. Richard, we have, um, you know, fun fact. People probably don't know this about me. We both share the exact same first name. Congratulations. First time.
1: 175 episodes. We're there.
0: My first question for you is as a child, did people call you Dick or do they call you Richard? Oh, no, I can't
2: start off with that. So, so
0: no, you know, people... just no, he's an and just go straight to it.
2: So typically when people say, hey, do you want to be called Richard or Rich? And I say to them anything of, as long as it doesn't begin with a D. So, mm. so thank you for starting
0: off straight away with my one thing. In, <laughs> in... <laughs> Have you ever heard this story, Tim, in sixth grade? Yeah, Best substitute teacher yeah yeah so like he's going through roll call and he, he gets to my name he goes Richard dick dick is dick Miller here and I'm like that's when everyone started to learn that there was a nickname for the name Richard that was dick and it was just like well that's not a that's not a good name to go by uh people I now go by Zach right. yeah, no, go, yeah. No, I went by Zach I went by my middle name but he jumped on that yeah I was uh, embarrassing to say the least that's probably the reason why i hate do, uh, doing the talk around the table um networking thing like introduce yourself mm. just the very uh, it's the only time i've ever been embarrassed in my entire life so sure that my um,
2: i have a work closely with um Noelle james here, who's our, our managing director of my, my department in south virginia and her husband like the first couple of weeks i met him came over to my house and had a hat said don't be your Richard." Which I was like, that's that's another way of bringing back the Dickwood into my name. Uh, um, yeah, I'm a little about the the Dickwood. Yeah, no, not gonna lie. Like I it. need that hat. Wait, wait, begins with an R.
1: Yep. Yeah.
2: Wow. This podcast probably everyone will stop calling me that. I'll be sensitive. Well, I
1: hope not. we'll we'll talk about Startup Virginia, which is the organization that you are representing. Tell us a little bit about Startup Virginia and you know what, what services what offerings you provide for the entrepreneurs around the state.
2: Great, uh, Startup Virginia is a nonprofit, profit um, high-growth business incubator. We call it. Um, essentially, we help start, like to say we help startups go faster and smarter than they would on their own. Um, we do that by providing mentoring, coaching, programming, um, a lot of of um, you know one-to-one tailored guidance, um, including like fundraising prep uh, connections. Um, So essentially creating a place in a community where founders can help founders and where the Startup Virginia team can help them as well as our our awesome corporate partner and mentor community. Um, So we tend to to focus on providing tailored services to help startups grow and become successful. Um, And we're also very fortunate to have an amazing physical space in the uh, Seventeen. The Michael Watson Innovation Center, also known as 1717 in the heart of um Shaco Bottom in the city of Richmond.
1: Zach, have you ever been to uh, 1717? I have not. Yeah. I need to make a, I need to make my way up there. Yeah, I need to.
2: I mean, it really is um I, it's it's awesome. Like, you know, I, I, you can go to any other startup ecosystem in the country and i think to San Francisco and New York and they'd be proud of the physical space that we have.
0: I I don't think I have, I think I was supposed to go there. And then the old cocoa happened um, and then shut, shut all that down. I think I've been to a startup Virginia space in like 2016, 27. I don't know about dates somewhere, somewhere between 2015. Oh, yeah. And- yeah.
2: You're probably where we were incubating in the farmer's market. Eddie. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I did some sessions with some people there, some businesses there, if I recall. Yeah um
2: that's when larkin um and our three founders like kind of testbed startup virginia in, in that in the we called, we called it the annex the,
0: the annex that time. sounds familiar yeah and that, During that time they
2: were renovating this building for us to move into
0: got it wow. yeah so cool. I, I guess i've been to the pre-1717 building um yeah. for you guys but i don't think i've ever is that the capital one building
2: Yes. Well, essentially, so um, I can give you a brief history if you if you guys want.
0: Yeah. Well. Yeah. I would love to know about the space. You know, the characteristic yeah, yeah.
2: size. So, what- so essentially, uh, we have we have three founders um, at of Virginia. Um, they worked with Larkin Gotti on getting uh, sort of Virginia off the ground, which is predominantly the purpose was like you know how can we just help our founders um, by connecting them with with the right resources. Um, during that time. They also had a local angel group called uh, CVA Angels and they got to know the founders. And there's a lot of like feedback saying, Hey, why don't we have a sign of space where we can all work together. So um, Brad and Will uh, went on the hunt, found this awesome building in the heart of um, of Richmond and Chaco bottom bought it. And then the idea was to have an incubator on the first floor that would help pay uh, and then rent out the other floors that were totally unfinished to help pay for um, the incubator. Um, that's how they got to know Capital One and, um, um, and the Capital One team. And they came back to our founders and say, Hey, we love what you're trying to build. Why don't we buy the building off you and really deck it out and you can rent from us, um, and make it an innovation center, an entrepreneurial hub. And, um, that's what they did. So in 2016, we were incubating ourselves in the annex and in 2017 in March, 2017, we moved into, um, the Michael Wasserman awesome Innovation Center. And here we have about startup Virginia has um, two to three floors, about 5,000 square feet each for our subsidized workspace, open workspace and offices for our startups uh, members and community members. And four of five is um, capital one space uniquely for them. And then uh, just recently last year, we had two awesome tenants move in, Bridging Virginia and Metropolitan Business League, which is now the largest minority association in the state of Virginia move in the first floor. Um, so we're really working hard on making this a good front door of entrepreneurship um, and uh, for our region. And um, we also have a kick-ass uh, rooftop with, for events, which we do a lot of our events in. So it's super fortunate to have it. Great resource for entrepreneurs, great resource for us nonprofits in the region.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, I see the, some of the graphics uh, that you guys push out uh, and some of those graphics as pictures of the rooftop bar. I, I mean, it almost, it looks so nice that it's, it almost doesn't seem like it's real, but, uh, so yeah. kudos to you to have such a cool space.
2: Well, you we should come and do a podcast update one time.
1: Yeah. We, uh, we need to make that happen.
0: Yeah.
1: So how many, I... yeah, I was just curious, how many members, is there any particular verticals that you all focus on? Yeah. Um,
2: so we have about 80 members. Um, the, the, um, we have 80. Stock. When we moved in the building, we were about 40. We're now at 80, um, of which I would say half utilize the space um, or maybe you know, two thirds utilize the space as the, the day-to-day space and the other third just for the programming that we we'll offer. Um, we focused on um, scalable tech or manufactured products. Um, so to be part of um, what we call the incubator, you have to demonstrate that your idea or business can scale exponentially either through tech or through a, a product. Um, and then once you're accepted um, you uh, go through our programming um, and have you know what we like to say a, a wide array of buffet of options that you can take advantage of but as an incubator it's your responsibility to to you know and, and with our guidance to, to try and plug into the same to what you what you're at right now we've also developed a lot of other programs um, to help feed the the incubator. So, for example, we have the Idea Factory, which we're currently accepting applications for, and thank you for for helping us spread the word on that, um, which is a seven-week idea acceleration program. A lot of customer discovery work, um, a little similar to the ICAP program. We definitely complement them. Uh, It's just more focused on after hours. Um, And and then we also have an entrepreneur certificate course, that we white label for other entrepreneurs, support organizations or higher ed um, and just got a high school actually for, so they can start uh, teaching entrepreneurship one one classes to their, to their students or participants. Um, so that's uh, also been a great tool that we launched as a result of the pandemic. It used to be our most successful in-person program. And then we digitalized all of it in Teachable. Um, it's all taught through our mentors, and they're now able to white label it to organizations across the state. And we don't charge, charge them
0: for that. There's Maybe. a ton of resources. There's a ton of resources that you guys provide. There's a ton of resources that seems like every city in the, in the country has for entrepreneurs. How, how do you guys track w- what's working? What's not, what what's useful? What's not like what, what makes you guys different? Like we got a ton here. I produce a ton of them myself. Tim's yep. done wherever he is. Tim's done a ton of them. Um, what's the sauce that's working? What's not? Like, how how do you figure out, like, this is what entrepreneurs want? This is what they need. How, give us the rundown on all that.
2: Yeah. So I th- I think after the last five, six years, what entrepreneurs need is different for every single one. I think that's why when I look back at almost success successful, um, you know, examples or like founders that definitely have seen value by, by, by being a member of Startup Virginia is finding those one-to-one connections, either through mentors or through a corporations or or through an investor, it's like really trying to open that relationship of trust and having them um, you know, reaching out to say, hey, I need help with this, and us finding the right resources to do that. And I think over the last five years, we've built a really good network of, of a lot of different resources that founders can take advantage of. Um, so just building that culture of trust um, also, find that you know the more tenured founders are super helpful to the aspiring founders, um, and having a, a space in the community where those connections can be made, and they can provide that mentoring themselves to founders is also super helpful. Um, so, what we do, you know, a lot as far as like other organizations, we you know we just actually did a competitive analysis just to see like other nonprofit um, entrepreneurs support organizations in the state outside of the state. What do they do well? How do they, you know, pitch themselves um, and compare? You know what we're doing right, what areas of opportunity for us. So in the process of continuing to do that, I think what's pretty unique to Virginia is that all of basically every ESO is a nonprofit. Um, so I think that's pretty unique to our region, um, and um, I think that comes with with a lot of pros and, and sometimes a little bit of challenges um, on the fundraising side. But um, but overall, um, as I said before to the show, I think. Virginia um, has done an amazing job the last five, six years in, in scaling up resources for entrepreneurs no matter where they live. I think it's very regional, and I think it should continue to be that way because, you know, we're all motivated to try and build our own ecosystem. But when we can collaborate, which we do, and learn from each other, and frankly steal from each other when it works, then, um, then we should continue to do that.
0: <laughs> What's an Yeah, answer? I agree. What's um, an ESO? An ESO? Oh, sorry, not to uh, put the code organization. Yeah. Okay.
1: Tim. Yeah, we recently had a uh, what's a van offsite. So van being a Virginia Accelerator Network. Uh, so credit to, to VIPC. Boy, we're filled with acronyms today. The Virginia Innovation Corporation uh partnership corporation partnership corporation they had an offsite where they brought in all the entrepreneurs support organizations together so that we could talk about our programs lessons learned and uh, so it's really neat from that standpoint to see hey oh that's working for you like we for example with start peninsula we do a thing called meet the resources lighthouse labs uh then they heard something and they did something similar and it was like hey you're take it run with it it's super cool uh you know and if it works for you that's great so it's it's nice to, to collaborate from that sense to share what works uh, and pass that around. But the, the the takeaway that I had from attending that uh, offsite was the fact that, yeah, I don't know if other states do anything like that where, where they take entrepreneurship from a state level to really compare notes, to share the lessons learned, how to be successful. And uh, I think that it, it's a great win for the state and for the founders.
2: Yeah, I think that the... So again, Virginia Innovation Partnership Corporation, which is a separate—it it is a state, but it runs separately as a nonprofit. Um, they they have um, done uh, truly remarkable work, I would say, the last three four years on trying to work collaboratively with organizations like spread across the state. Um, and I say that um, because it's not only asking us, you know. Um, what we need help with, but it's also they provide operational funding, which is so important rather than just programmatic funding. Um, But not only do they do that to help us build our own resources and our program and increase our sustainability, they're also the most active venture um, organization in the state of Virginia as well. Um, And to help feed that, they also have grant opportunities for folks who are trying to validate their idea. So as an organization that works with tenured founders who are ready to fundraise, and can take advantage of the venture arm and as an organization that works with aspiring entrepreneurs that we can help guide and coach and do customer research so they can possibly get a non-deductive grant so they can work on their idea full-time to hopefully be fundable in the future. Now that we have that funding roadmap, it helps significantly. Um, And I think they deserve a lot of credit for putting the infrastructure in place. And I hope we can only do more Right, it's 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 vital. Um, as I think I read, but this was a couple of years ago, so a yeah, little date, dated. But Virginia was ranked forty um, sixth in the nation as far as startup activity. So we really need organizations like Fipsy to lean in and help us um, improve that metric significantly.
0: How, how does that organize? How does that statistic? How do they figure that out? Because there used to be the Kauffman there used to be the Kauffman thing that said, you know, we are in. A lot higher number than 46. So, like, and at that point, Kaufman was you know, the go to for you know, startup data. Like, so I always yeah, question. Yes, I think Kaufman focuses on small business, not, not tech. Um, I, cable.
2: I think there's a big difference between the two. Um, so, I think Kaufman focused heavily on like more traditional small business. Just look at the number of licenses that have been. Um, this was looking at more from a funding venture standpoint than a, than a creation of small businesses. So look when they're, when you refer to startup activity, they're more looking at like, which startups are being funded by VCs, are um, mm-hmm. doing seed rounds or doing series A's, series B, series C's. Um, so I think it's a different stat.
0: That's a surprising stat though, knowing that there are some major universities in, in the state that DC and the Northern Virginia, maybe DC isn't. DC's not included yet. It's own thing, but that, that's, just, that's a pretty low number.
2: <laughs> yeah it, it is again this was like two three years ago so I'm still
0: sure. i don't think people would have thought that was the case yeah. i think they would have thought they were in the teens in the twenties at worst not forty six yeah you know,
1: I, yeah that I, 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 that captured a lot of attention when that number came out and a yeah. lot a lot of work going into to changing that number yeah and I, and I don't i don't know how often that number they reevaluate or how often that number is is released or not but one of the things that I appreciate so much about all of us like here, we're in Hampton Roads, you're in Richmond. We're we're super close to one another. And at the end of the day, founders are going to go wherever they need to get the, the time, the love, the resources to make their business successful. So any opportunity that we all have to take the locality or the, the, Geography aspect out of it that we all can work together as a winning team to help founders win, I think is is really really important.
2: Yeah, 100 agree. I mean, you know, we're 45 minutes away really on a good day. Um, um, but actually, good day.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, well,
2: for, I'm considering Williamsburg in that, yeah, so like, okay. But um, but no, especially with like um, you know, Tim and you got Paul Noldy now go down there with the Richard Market as well. Um, I think the, the doors are wide open. And you know, we've also sort of, you know, thanks to Van have developed a bit, about the good relationship with Shenandoah and Charlottesville. So I think that and and down with ramp in Roanoke. So I think that whole sixty sixty-four, eighty-one corridor is is starting to thrive and allow us to continue to what do the work on you know supporting aspiring entrepreneurs and current entrepreneurs. So I'm excited. I, I think I think the infrastructure is in place. For, for Virginia to do a lot better, um, but there are some, a lot of things that we can continue to, to work on to make it better,
0: for sure. Yeah, at the end of the day, the, the business owner is going to go wherever they see fit, and it's it's always interesting to me that like cities compete in these things, and it's like, hey, you know what? Like they're going to go, they're going to do what they want to do. They don't like they don't care the same way that you guys do. Like if they if they see something cross borders. Or, or, or somewhere else like that's what they're gonna do they just doesn't bother with them and so like it's always interesting to see that dichotomy of of what you know cities think what states think and then what the actual business owner is willing to do so
2: yes yeah, so I I went to on um, chain was in a city visit to Kansas um, city and they're, they're doing amazing work on entrepreneurship and I was listening to their economic development arm on how Economic development organizations need to start thinking differently about, especially since the pandemic, like instead of focusing on so much and trying to bring jobs to the region, every new startup, every new business that's formed in your regions is automatically automatically an HQ. So why spend so much time focusing on trying to bring other HQs in here when you could really help and grow your own HQ and your back? Right. Well, you you
1: just you just you teed Zach up perfectly. Continue on.
2: And I think that's a great that's a great, you know, shift in mentality that needs to happen, especially if you look at the amount of
0: resources that go in that sector. Where am I going to go with this, Tim? I mean, like I don't know. I mean, so, so like literally probably 2013, I was like to our city. I think this is a Norfolk meeting. It might have been a Hampton Roads. They're like, oh, you know, our goal should be to um, recruit four one-thousand-person companies here. And I stand up. I'm just starting to like become somebody where people like know who I am, sort of thing. And I'm like, yo, that's the most bogus thing I've ever heard in my life. Why don't you flip flop that and try to start a thousand companies with four um, with four people? And they were just like, that's the stupidest thing ever. And literally, for years, all of these economic development folks in cities were like, that's not the way we do business. I'm like, yo, but this, like, why would a business have a thousand employees if they can figure out the same thing with four employees? And they hated my concept. You know, some will say that they didn't, but like, I used to get so much resistance. And I'm just like, look, there's, we, we could support thousands of businesses with a handful of employees each, and they can be making similar revenues. Like I think we should look at this, and some of those might grow into bigger companies, you know, um, from a, an employee perspective. And it's just it's interesting that Kansas City sounds like is is saying what I was saying a decade ago, and now are telling other people that hey, um, this is the way to look at it. When our own backyard didn't want to look at that, you know, years ago. So maybe maybe they'll um, maybe they'll change their mind. And uh, when they do, I'll just I'll just bow down and say. Told you.
1: Well, I mean, I, I, I yeah, talk about it, that. I mean, t- yeah. timing is everything.
2: Yes. To be fair to Kansas City, this was one of the economic development arms. And then we went to another, another um, session, and it was a different EDA, and they had a total different you know, way <laughs> of looking at things. It, so, like, <laughs> you know, they weren't, um, they weren't too different.
0: It's just I don't I don't I don't I don't think I've ever even said this word, so I don't even know what the meaning is. But it seems like disheartening that like as like you don't even believe in the people in your own place, right? It's like you don't even support. uh, They're gonna yell at me. They would yell at me and be like, "We do support whatever." But it's just like you seem to put so much more attention on uh, and and energy on other places to try and move that thing here or to wherever your city is. People who are in your city who could have a similar impact. It's like invest in those people. And uh, I still believe that they should invest more in in the local community, the local businesses, um, because... So here's a good stat. I'm looking at, here, so
2: tagging onto that 46 stat. So I'm looking at um, a stat from the Census Bureau, Moody's Analytics, analytics um, Job Creation Associated with Startups. Where do you think Virginia falls? In the top quartile, second quartile, third quartile, or bottom quartile?
0: <laughs> well and knowing the capital number i would say if it's 46 i would say it's in the bottom
2: well no it's not so we're obviously doing it. it's, it's in the third quarter okay. so right. for a state that was number one in doing vi- in business in the nation for many many years and it's consistently in the top five you would think it would be better right
0: and Statistic. the- yeah, statistics statistics yeah. are always something that like i always am like okay i saw that stat now let's peel back the peel back the onion and really let's figure out what it's actually saying. Right. And so like, what's the full story on something. And as, as a guy who has a journalism degree, as a guy who basically still, you know, I guess you could call this media still is running in media. It's like headlines can be very manipulating and very misleading to people. And a lot of people will just look at that and say, okay, 46. And then it's like, okay, let's peel back the onion and figure that out. And it's like, okay, of that. So I don't know what that is, but I could um, you could look at it and say, well, there's a huge grouping of 30 states in there that are all basically the same. So it could be 15 to 46. I'm not saying that's the case, but you could look at something like that from a data perspective and be like, okay, well, this story is a little misleading in this. Or oh. or it's just you can't just look at a number and say, that's it. You can't just look at your bank account and be like, oh, on day one, you have $5, knowing that on day two, $10 is coming out of the bank. So you really know that you have negative five dollars, but you're thinking you have five dollars, but but because you're not looking deeper, you're not telling the story, though you're not looking at the full story on this, you're manipulating a scenario, and it's just like, let's let's look at a full a full picture of this. And it's I think that's incredibly important. And most people don't look at that, they look at one line and say, Okay, that this is it. I read it, I see it. And it's like, well. Let's look at the full story.
2: I think the full I honestly, I think in, this is Richard Winch's opinion. Um, the full story, as Richard does, R- Virginia is going to do really good work in supporting entrepreneurs. If anyone who has a current business or an idea, there is a resource for them. And I think Virginia has built a great network and I C is feeding that. Um, the reason I believe we rank low in these re- in those statistics right now is just the funding that takes place Um, For startups in our state. Um, So I'm not sure, Tim, Zach, you know, your scalable startups in your region, but um, I would say the majority of their funding, once they get to late C, series A, is from a strategic advisor outside of the state of Virginia. Um, That's what we see with our our startups. Um, Yeah, I I would agree with that. So, you know, how can we get to a point as a region where we can be that strategic advisor for those companies at those size. Right. and that's this is a marathon; it's not a sprint. But I think, um, and I, you know, I think um, Vipsy with their venture arm are definitely, um, especially with the SSBCI effort coming on. Well, hopefully that will change. Um, but then just we, I think we have to acknowledge that in order to be in the top quartile, we need to, we will need to have a, a more robust fundraising environment in our state. And I, I'm not sure. Yeah. If we can, have
1: to get that. And we talked about this last week with uh, Paul Noldi, just in the sense of if you look at a, a VC or a VC firm and, and they they have a fund, that typical fund cycle is 10 years. some will extend it to, to 12. With, with all of us, I mean we' if we were a fund cycle within an ESO, you know we're still in our very first fund cycle you know, we, yeah we we haven't we haven't started our second fund yet so we're still really early and now some of these companies you know, we're starting to see a few acquisitions or successful exits so hopefully we're changing the culture in the sense of when there's successful exits those people that are now high wealth uh, and we saw return will invest more money and change the culture over time. But it is going to, I mean, it, it's, it's, going to take 20, oh, okay. 25 years. And
0: we're, we're, ha- we're just barely halfway through that cycle well, and that cycle is. It's continuous. It, yeah. And it's, it's, those people who do see success. I, w- I would be interested in, and, in, um, the, the top 10 cumber comp- the top 12 and a half comp- uh, states in that city or in that, um, in that poll, where, in that statistic, I guess it's not a poll, like, are those the 12 most, you know, wealthiest places too, and those people are funding it back in? Because I think, you know, you, you who are the 10 wealthiest people in Virginia? Are they investing in startups in the same way that the 10 wealthiest people in California and Massachusetts are? And I, I would just I mean, wonder if that's what's
2: happening. Quartile top quartile is basically Midwest to West. I mean, wow. Well um apart from um this is interesting georgia's
0: in the top top
1: top quartile north carolina's in the second quartile yeah there's
0: a lot of major universities in georgia yeah yeah and there's a lot of so, yeah. major businesses there so but it's also like I, I think yes reciprocate and 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 give back but at the same time like some people don't want to invest in companies that way and and you know that's that that that's a piece too that that can be difficult for them to want to yeah, to get I mean, into and you look at though like,
1: oh, you look at Dell uh, in Austin and when they went public all the Dellionaires that were were created and how Microsoft changed Seattle and then Amazon changed Seattle I mean when you have those successful exits like that and people just overnight become millionaires because they the, the company went public I mean you can't help but like give back to the community I mean you just have so much disposable income at that point that it all works so we're, we're getting closer and, and and as Richmond and Hemp Roads continue to get, get closer and closer to one another uh I mean I, I what's what's the most mature company uh in the Richmond area Richard in terms of like successful raises has there been any uh, Series B companies uh up in Richmond?
2: Yeah. Um, you got qualify right now uh used to be west peak financial There, you know they were, did series c's a, a series c a couple years ago you obviously had Carlos that made it public um mm-hmm. as well um we just had major clarity that had a, a good sale um and joe joe is an amazing founder who um has worked really hard um and has you know grown a great company so that's probably one of our most recent sales, and we've had another one, though I'm not sure if it's public yet, so I can't disclose it there. So, it's like like you say, that wave is there, and it's happening. Like you got these startups from 10 years ago that are now starting to get acquired, and hopefully those they you know those founders continue the company, and they have if it's a private equity, they end up um, selling, and they can reinvest in our, in our flow. You got Granova as well. So I, I think you definitely. Um, and we've got some really good coming, you know, last year, six of our members closed the series A round. So that's, that's a good sign for future. Wow. Years. Um,
0: Do you feel like that story is being told? So like those companies that, um, the, the four or five companies that you just talked about that, that are close to exiting, have exited are, are on the, the the brink of it. Do you feel like that story is being saturated into the market the way that it needs to the same as some other stuff is and how important is that happening Is and, and what is being done to to make that happen in a bigger thing? I think that's a, a big piece missing here, right? Like you don't even know the top five businesses, right? unless you, uh, unless you happen to, you know, see some chamber, um, you know, award that's saying these are the top 10 companies to look at um, or something like that. Like that's really it. And that's one day. And like, you don't really follow Randall no Startwheel or Innovate Hampton Roads does some of that, but there's only, it, it's like, it's it's still like that, that missing cycle where people aren't talking about it. Maybe not on a daily basis, but on a pretty regular basis. Like, is that happening in Richmond? And and if it is, what are they doing? What, what right. are you guys doing to actually? Promote well, that? Zach, that
2: I think it's, it. it's happening it's similar to you guys. It's happening within our bubble, so we're right. all aware well, I guess of it. That's what, yeah, the bubble, people know but it. Yeah. How do we get it outside of the bubble? I think it's still uh, it's still mm. something that we all need to work on as a state. It, um, not just you know, not just Virginia, not just it, Central.
0: Virginia. It's interesting. I I went to a Jelly Roll concert a couple of weeks ago. I had no I had no idea about them. and th- this makes me think of just like music and 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 how it was shared, right? And so, uh, one of my good friends from college was like, "We should go to this show," and I was like, oh, "Okay, that's cool," and I went, and I and I and I loved the concert. It was it was a great time. It. I wonder if that that scenario happens from a business perspective where people are like, oh, you should check this out. It's like that share button and in with people who you would never expect to to see that. Right. Yes. In the same bubble. But is that like to that next step? It's like, oh, you should go watch this TV show. Oh, you should watch. You know, you should listen to this thing. Does that business thing happen? That same scenario happen from a business perspective to to people.
1: I think I think this is an example of it happening here. I mean, so uh we have uh, the Richmond market the Hampton Rose market we're talking about that here and it all started uh inter- like with a with the newsletter that we send out every Tuesday yes. I would get some stuff and include it because again knowing the founders will be more than happy to drive a uh, 50 60 miles to Richmond to attend something and, and then we started Richard and I started talking and it was like gosh you guys are doing you know, and and the more I dug in it was like gosh you're doing really great stuff that's that's continue to talk about this and maybe these two bubbles can then form and make a bigger bubble but uh, it's, it's all starting to happen.
2: I agree and not to toot Tim's horn but I do think his newsletter is a benchmark for anyone else in Virginia. I think it's fantastic. Uh, I do like the Tim take in the words. means I don't have to read the article. It's awesome. <laughs> um, no, but I think you've done a re- remarkable job with that and you know, I, th- I think it's hard Like You look at like how our startup Virginia certificate program—we're uh, just now designing for seven by seven. The, um, the um, ODU program is centered around that, um, and um, you know, I-, I-, I think that is our way of being able to like um, expose entrepreneurship affordably to, to any to, to anyone else in, in Virginia. So I think that, pro- that even though that program's all online the connections we're able to make with the organizations who want to leverage it to start that collaboration um, and that partnership, which I think is- Yeah. Awesome.
1: So if you can, so let's close the loop on that real quick. So the listeners from Hampton Roads that are listening to this show and they're like, gosh, I want to get plugged in to Startup Virginia. What is the best way for the people in our region to connect with Startup Virginia What what can they take advantage of?
2: All right, so I mean, so there's multiple ways, really. I mean, I would say that if you're a local, local, if you're in the 757 area and you're working on a scalable tech product, um, then you know you should look at 757 um, Angels or the 757 Collab, or even a small lit in their studio. Like, I, there's a lot of benefit with leveraging your local ecosystem um, and the expertise that they have. So, um, if you're working on that, then that's a great first step. If you're working in a more traditional, small business front, um, then we have an online tool called the Entrepreneur Certificate, which is a nine um, course um, that you can take online. It takes about eight hours. Um, and uh, we offer free scholarships to go through it. So it, most of the time it's at no costs. Um, so you can either go through 757, we're just building out that page right now, or straight to our website, and request a scholarship, um, and we'll give you a code to participate in that. Um, Or you could, if you want a bit more structuring, you could apply to the ODU program, which um, they've built. They they leveraged a Startup Virginia course, but then they built mentoring around it. So that's another avenue you could do. And I think they're doing that partnership with 757 as well. Um, And then the Idea Factory program that you all have been really kind to upspread the word on. If you want to validate your idea um, and okay, we come to Richmond two times um, for an evening, then that is definitely a program that you can dig into and apply. And we've had a great response from the from the beach area. Um, I think we're over week, except for at 11, and we've had like over 70 applications. Um, and I think more than 20 of them is, is from the beach area.
1: So, wow. so I
2: think it's really, I think honestly, over the last year, I think the collaboration between both regions and extending, you know, what they call the mega region, um, I think it's, it's really, really off going well and um, you know, a, a Venture South is just you know combined with Seven x Seven Angels, and we have a local Venture South chapter as well. So I can see Paul and I um, and Noel doing a lot more work on the funding side to try and build a you know more robust angel network for for the mega region as well.
1: And that's one of the things that I, yeah, the founders that are listening. I I want to that I'm always really clear when I meet with a founder. But then the founders that are listening here today it's not a, you're not choosing sides per se, you're, you're, we're all in this together. So if you leverage Startup Virginia, it's not one or the other, you can choose both. And if you can expand your network, and build off of the networks that we've all created, it's a win for everybody. So leverage, leverage what you can and use it to your advantage. It's you're not picking sides.
0: How How can someone leverage that? Thing, right? So I, I think I, I have some ideas of what someone could do. But like what what's what are most people not doing that you think that they should do though well i think so, that I, yeah. I think that some people think that well
1: if i've gone to this accelerator that i can't go to another accelerator or if i've gone to this co-working space that i can't go to that co-working space just in the sense of you know they don't want to upset the apple cart if they were to quote unquote switch sides whereas <laughs> with like me for example i would recommend like if you're an early stage founder and you're trying to validate or if you're getting ready to go through a fundraising cycle, I, I would I would say, hey, go talk to Richard, go to startup Virginia and see if you can set up a day where you can meet with as many founders up there and practice your pitch with them and get some feedback. And maybe they will give you one valuable feedback on uh, on your pitch. Two, they may have, you know, they can open up their network of potential people that would want to be either be customers, investors or whatever the case is. And then the third off, if you're pra- be able to practice that pitch with 30 people at Startup Virginia, then you're now 30 times better because you've practiced that pitch 30 times more. So, I mean, like that would be a way that you could leverage, but eh, Richard, I would love to hear your thoughts.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think what's great about all yes, all our entrepreneurial organizations in Virginia is that there's an open door mentality. Um, and we all have a calendar, first- founder's first view like whatever we can do to help the founder um, is really what what comes across and if not us then who is also a question that we ask ourselves all the time if someone else comes through the door um, um so so yeah we do a monthly um pitch practice lunch where we invite our members to come and listen to pitches then it's founders giving and mentors giving feedback to other founders and allows founders also to view pitches so they can learn how to do it and um, one of those courses um that we have at the Entrepreneur's Typical course, which you can just do that course if you want, is all about pitching. And it uh, was done by John Polk, one of our mentors, and I really, really like it. And it's typically a really good first step for folks who are trying to build out their pitch deck.
1: What- yeah. One of the things that was interesting at this offsite that we had for the, the Virginia network was uh, the IPC, they track something uh, about multiple organizations? How many founders have used multiple organizations? And the thing that was really interesting about that, uh, when it first brought up, everybody like, they they were thinking that was a negative, but then it was like, no, as you think about this, this this really should be a positive that, okay, if this particular company is going to VIPC, trying to get money from the commercialization fund, and they already have that stamp that, all right, they they've gone through startup virginia they've gone through 757 collab they've gone through reactor you know if you had three stamps on your passport you know that that should that's a good thing and this sense. it's not a duplication of effort it, it's like this is my passport on my journey i am now more seasoned and ready to go so listen to me what i have to say
2: yeah idea validation has just become huge right like you need to spend time validating your idea and identifying your customer like you just need to do the time to do that, and um, if you don't, then the, then it's just going to be significantly harder for you. And but there are resources to help you do that, um, and it, so it's taking advantage of those resources to do that.
0: Well, let's use that in a different example. What's your favorite TV show? Right? You, re- you rewatch it, and there's tons of stuff that you never caught before because for whatever reason you were you got a text from someone or. Or, or you are you weren't in it as deep as as you want it to be like it, it's it, do things multiple times right there's plenty of right. you know, one of my favorite movies is pitch perfect there's certain things that I see in that movie every time I'm like oh I never I never noticed that before and I've watched that a, a ton of times right and so by looking at these things from multiple angles from multiple people that's that that's an opportunity for you to to learn more and 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 maybe inch a little bit closer
2: yeah. No, hundred percent. I think I think you're
0: hundred percent right. When someone says that's Switzerland, what goes through your mind?
2: That that's Switzerland.
0: That like what? they're like yeah, that's like that's Switzerland, like not the country. Well, but yeah. kind of-
2: first, first, I'm glad they didn't say Sweden, because so that, that's, <laughs> that's what I get most of the time. I mean, I think that they probably say that's neutral, right? Why is that though? Because we're 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 a neutral country. Don't take stop. We don't take. We're like the, the we're the place where people convene to make decisions, but we don't make
0: them. Okay, well there you go. I never know. I like I've heard it. And I was like no. I don't get it. Did I mean I use that? that phrase if I have no you
1: know? t- yeah if I have yeah if I have if I, am if I'm neutral in a in some sort of situation discussion or whatever yeah I'll be like hey I'm Switzerland in this man I like yeah I'm, I've got I've no no dog in this fight.
0: Well, I figure there's no better person to ask than someone who's from Switzerland. And yes. so Richter is from there. So <laughs> I've, I've been holding back that question for like six years, just waiting to meet someone yeah, from Switzerland. Yeah, well, so here we are. Thank you. Yeah. That's
2: where there's WIPO, United Nations. You know, that's why they're all they're located there. Um, it. It's very, very, you know, people forget Switzerland is, well, Switzerland's a lot further south than people think. Like you must know there all the time. No, it, it doesn't. It's only four hours away from the south of France. Like it snows in the mountains. It doesn't snow much in the cities. Um, yes, the chocolate is absolutely amazing. Yes, it's incredibly expensive, incredibly, um, but it's very well run um, and it's and it is clean. It is beautiful. Um, and if you were to go, unless you're a skier, but even if you're a skier, you should go out west. Um, is to definitely go in the summer. I mean, it's it's absolutely breathtaking in the summer. You,
0: you've lived in this. You've lived in the states for. Twenty like, years. yeah Yeah. So like did you take anything from Switzerland that like you you use yeah. now that like not like physically, but like some something from life from there that you learn that you still use, um, that helps you get through. I mean maybe it's just the the neutral, mindset. No, me, like, I'll
2: be honest with you, like when you're born in Switzerland and ray really, I have been born in school in England, so that's why I have more of an Anglo Saxon culture. Um I like more of the the craft beers and the pub culture and stuff like that. So I, my, my mother's English, so I definitely have more of an Anglo-Saxon culture to our family. Though so my dad is Swiss, and um, we tracked our family back to the sixteen hundreds, um, so very Swiss origins. But um... I forgot what was, it, what was the question again at right the beginning. Like, yeah, is there any
0: <laughs> is there anything just from like the the yeah, Swiss but, culture that you?
2: Yeah. yeah, but you were basically like growing up. I knew I was going to end up being a bank Like it never like. And you are gonna leave college and join a bank. And that's exactly what I did. And and it's just weird. It's like it just it just is entrenched in you. My wow. dad like was a bank and both my brothers were bankers, um, but in different areas. Um but still, um but like did have I taken any of those skill sets to America? No, I think that but I think that's the great thing about America, is that you can find where your passion is. And um, I think my passion around entrepreneurship at workforce development, nonprofit was during my time at the chamber. Um, I spent 14 years at chamber RVA here and um, Mm. just realized that I really enjoy doing mission purpose work, but with a more of a for-profit attitude. Um, I generally believe if you're running a nonprofit, you're running a business. Um, And if you're fortunate to have a year where you have proceeds, you just reinvest it into the business. That's the only difference. Um, So... um, but I really, you know, was thankful for that, for those years at the chamber that taught me a lot and it created an amazing passion for, for central Virginia, especially, I love it here. Yeah. My wife is watching when I to, you know, start her own business here. Um, it's a wonderful quality of life. And I think the, the one thing that America does better than any other country in the world is that if you do want to start your own adventure, um, no matter what it is, you can. And, and I think that's awesome.
1: So So true. And it's amazing to me, it's entrepreneurship is alive and well, especially from those that come to our country from outside of our country. I mean, it's, it's, it's stunning. Well, the people that are born and raised, they, they, for whatever reason, they just don't see it Uh, it, as much It it is. you can make whatever it is that you want to make. You just have to have the desire. What, uh, with that said, I get this question all the time. And I'm curious to your response, maybe you can help me craft my response better, but you get someone that walks into Startup Virginia and they want to skip steps. They want to take the elevator to the top and they immediately want to have introductions to investors. You know, and it's just like, whoa, 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 there's a slowdown. What's your response to someone that has that question?
2: Yeah, thank you for coming. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, it, it's also not good for the community, right? Because then they start reaching out to your mentor network, investor network, like we will not do introductions unless you're ready. Um,
0: so right. it's really right.
2: like, we really can't help you. If you're, if you're going to, and we get that a lot. If you get an established founder who believes they have an idea that's worth investing in, and they're just coming to offer money, then it's like, we're not the right organization for you. Simple. You know, good luck to you. Um, if you need, need any help, let us know. But um, we're not the right thing.
1: Amen to that. I mean, I, I just because that's my thing too, I, and I'm sure that you're in the same boat in the sense. That if I worked 12 years to build this reputation, and I am not going to take a person that just walks in, never not knowing anything about them, not knowing anything about their business, what their their pitch, the business model, anything, and then just start leaving it up to chance that they're going to knock this thing out of the park.
2: I'll tell you what, I will take in though. I will take in someone. Who fits the criteria for the incubator, but is just joining us for space because we can change that mindset. Mm. Sometimes, you know, people, sometimes you don't know what they have until it's in front of you, and you're like, Oh sure. crap, I need this help, and they can help me. Uh, we, have, we have plenty of instances where we just allow people to come and work out of our space, be part of the incubator, but slowly like continue to ask, How can we help? How can we help? and then proving that we can help because we want, while we have amazing space, we want to be known for the for the work that we do and the programs that we offer and the connections that we
0: make. Well, not everyone can pitch for people to understand the first time, right? And so they might even say something to you and it's like, I don't get it. But it's like, you know, by you opening the doors and letting them see that, I mean, I think it's incredibly valuable. So on Tim's point about introductions, so I remember, gosh, maybe a decade ago, maybe a little less than that, I was uh, on a panel at um, this thing called the Honor Foundation, which I think is about um, uh, Navy veterans that are getting out and everyone on the panel with me was like you know um ask for introductions uh, give introductions to everyone else like look i understand why you guys are saying that but like the introductions that i provide have to be like very meaningful and powerful and if i just start throwing my entire network out to everyone those people that i'm giving it to if if i haven't seen the credit if the, if if there's credibility credibility loss in there, they're gonna stop looking at my introductions as being valuable. If I just give everyone to everyone, and like, I don't think people talk about that. I think people are just like, yeah, just make introductions. It'll be great. It's like, mm, be very cautious in who you introduce, and to who, and at what point, because that's an incredibly important aspect to to continuing to grow the the twelve year Tim uh, Tim Ryan brand. Because if you just start again throwing that out there. People are going to get ticked off of you, and they're not going to respect that, and they might not even respond to it if if you just start throwing crap at them.
2: Yeah, and I think um, you know our mental networks evolved a lot over the last five, six years, and I think hmm. a lot of ESOs around the country that the mental networks that they set up with end up changing pretty drastically along the way. But I, I think that's one thing that we're – and that Noel and I'm on, and Laura on our team do really well is like asking permission before doing the introduction and explaining why we want to make that connect. Um, and I think that's vitally, impo- vitally important to help that first conversation be more successful rather than just doing the connection and you get a surprise inbox. right? But yeah. saying that we, yeah, we, do have, we do have a mentor network that's saying, if you are okay with just being reached out to founders then we do have a database that you say that you're okay, you're up for it, do it. But we also have a list of mentors that we call strategic, where like you're we we're gonna ask for your permission first. Um, so that allows you to get you know different types of mentors and who have different ambitions and wishes. But um, yeah. those definitely seem to be the ones that are most successful.
1: Because the other side of that coin is when you have a company and a founder that has gone through the steps and and they've done, they've checked every box in the way that they should, when you do send that introduction to potential investors they're going to take the meeting. They're going to open the email. They're going to take the meeting and you have to reward the people that have taken the right steps and, and yeah. you have to protect it.
2: I would love that role of that so investors to be bigger. I feel bad <laughs> Always go to the same people, you know, I think they're ready. You should have a conversation. Yeah. Them. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think. And I'd say more on the angel stuff, right? I, I think with VIPC and the CCF Fund Commercialization, Commonwealth Commercialization Fund, Zach, um, which used to be a lot more focused towards higher ed and their R&D developments, they basically expanded that to allow organizations like sort of Peninsula you know, 757, SDC, like all of the ESOs in Virginia to have their founders apply for that if they've done customer validation work. Um, so that's opened up a nice pool. So the addition of that has allowed us to, to to get people ready for that. But like the next step, which is basically angel investment, convertible notes um, or small equity rounds, that's still, yeah, I would love to grow that a little bit more. And I think that's a lot of education, more financial education on why up investing can be appealing if you're a high net worth individual. Um, yeah. But to your point beforehand, those who tend to really play in that game are those who have had previous exit and from this kind of sector, and we just hopefully will get more of them down the road. Um, and it's it's a marathon for sure.
1: Curious, Rich. What's a what's a favorite golf course that you've ever played?
2: Oh, that's a really good one. Valley Bunyan in Island. Um, wow. Which uh, I did with my dad when I was seventeen. Um, Where's that? In island. Um, so it's a links, traditional links golf course. So that's probably was the one that I have the most. Um, I'm a member of a club here called Willow which I absolutely adore. Um, I'm a very biased um, and you know faithful um, member, but I absolutely love that golf course. And if I was going to try, say one on the East Coast, at Harbour Town is probably my favorite.
1: Where's I that love, located?
2: Um, Hilton Head. Oh, okay. Yeah, I love golf courses where. Um, you have to have a green and a a T right next to it. If you have to go in a cart to get to the next T, then I will automatically dismiss you no matter how good you
0: are. <laughs> Tim, when so, was the last time you got off, Tim?
1: It's been a while. I'm so busy now that, uh, well, one, I'm busy. And because I'm too so busy, combine the fact that it's really expensive. And then if I do have, on the off chance, I have a, a free day on a weekend, I have a really tough time saying family, I know you haven't seen me, but I'm taking off for four or five hours to go play golf. So it's been, a, it's been a, a really, really long time. Um, I used I to know. golf.
0: I used to golf. I think we said this uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, I used to golf like once or twice a week at the ODU course with um, Jay Livingood and um, founder of yellow dog software. And then I don't know what happened. I guess I got too busy to do it. And um and i not that i was good cuz look he was like a scratch golfer i was i think the greatest i ever hit was like um plus 7 on one hole um, <laughs> <laughs> i don't even know that is i don't even know what that is like four over par um yeah that's probably the best i ever done but you know that's why i like top golf cuz you can go there for like an hour hit hit the crap out of a ball uh impress a couple people that you can hit it far it ain't accurate, but you can hit it far. Uh, yeah. I once hit the net, and people were like, "Wow, that's impressive." I was <laughs> like, "Well, yeah, I hit hundred balls. I only hit one of them." But uh, yeah, it's, that-
1: it's the one shot that brings you back next time. That's all it takes. It's the one shot.
0: Yeah, yeah right. I think that's.
2: I think that's. that's a very yeah, it's my meditation. I mean, right? it's been a big part of my life. I've, um, played in college. I played for my country, and it's uh, it's that that break I give to myself every try at least once once or twice a week. Um, now that my kids are teenagers and they don't really care about me being around, it's a lot easier to uh, to do that um,
0: for sure. Hmm. What What's something we haven't talked about that you want to talk about? Um, good question. You know,
2: like, I, I, Tim, I would love to know, like, can you give me like your 30 second elevator, elevator page of solo Peninsula? Because I don't think I know that organization well enough. Uh,
1: on On which organization?
2: Solo Peninsula.
1: Oh yeah, so like Star Peninsula, we, we're in our twelfth year for that, and yeah. and truth be told, that it, it, Zach back in the day had something called Stark Norfolk, and it was Stark Peninsula was modeled after Stark Norfolk. It started as a weekend pitch competition, and um, what we found was after that weekend, nobody did anything until it was timed to get ready for the next one next year. It was held every November. So we, we extended everything to make it a year round set of activities. We added Pitch Perfect to help people perfect their pitch. Um, so now what it comes down to, we have four micro pitch competitions that we do. Uh, we do it in uh, March and in April, and then we take the summer off and then we have uh, September and October. Each of those micro pitch competitions has 10 people that pitch and the top three from each of those micro pitch events that advance to the championship round. The championship round is then held in November. This year is November 8th. So what that makes then is the top 12 pitchers of the year for our area. And then they uh, they pitch November 8th and the top three uh, pitchers, they get five thousand dollars in seed funding uh, and then places four through 12, they get five hundred the whole idea then is one: it's year-round. If you pitch in March or April, you have to continue to work on your business throughout the rest of the course of the year. You can't oh, just yeah. show up in November and say I haven't done anything. So uh, it helps the engagement. Uh, again, it, it's it's the competition level. It is the top twelve pitchers of the year, uh, and it's worked out really well for us. That's great. Money to come to that. So. Yeah, well, we do, and the great thing is we do everything online. Everything is all done via Zoom. Oh, is, is it really? Yeah, because we everything used to be in person before COVID. But what, what once COVID happened and we experienced online, we didn't have to worry about tunnel traffic. We didn't, because we would get people from Virginia Beach going to Williamsburg when, uh, depending on where the location was. And it just, it just, it simplified everything. We didn't have to pay for food and find vendors yeah. and food sponsors and, and all that kind of stuff. Grab it there so, and watch it on my
0: computer. <laughs> yeah. I love that. And people don't realize how expensive food is. When yeah. you're buying food for a lot of people yeah like but I think that you know, one of the co-
1: most more successful companies that we had uh, go through star peninsula's answers now and they've you know, yeah. they seem to be killing it
2: they've been in, in um uh, they're, they're one of the six who closed that series A ran last year uh, they've been with us since the beginning too um, yeah Jeff, great great an amazing job and I think leverage the tools available to him and and now it's become you know frankly like one of the folks that we send our aspiring founders to is for him to, could coach and give advice to is
0: that the, yeah, I have a, is that the, I have a special needs kid and I need an answer now yeah, while for, I'm somewhere?
1: For, for autistic children? It was yeah. for autistic, yeah. Yeah, I think
0: it's expanding beyond orders it yeah. now. Um, but, was uh, that in person in Newport News or Hampton? It was, was in I Hampton, judged?
1: yep. Yeah, it was in Hampton. And then they came back and they were one of the companies that pitched to Jason Calicanus when he uh, was in town. And Jason really, really liked that business. Uh, he, he wanted to invest in that business.
0: I think i remember i think i was a judge that year or something i was something there that year i I think you were yeah i think you were memory lane a place that is a fun a fun time richard it's been an absolute pleasure yeah i mean yeah one
2: thing i'd like to quickly close with if you can like yeah we do um if anyone is interested in learning more please obviously reach out my is on the website um but also like I, i think um you know, one thing that we're very proud of at part of Virginia is that we don't like we don't want cost to be a barrier. So we do offer a lot of scholarships. A third of our members are actually scholarship into our incubator and space. Um, um, last year we gave out over five hundred thousand dollars worth of scholarships, including on online programming. So you know, if any aspiring entrepreneur in central Virginia um, or outside, but you know, again I coach leveraging local resources, um, is interested, and in our application is online. Happy to have that conversation. Um, idea factory program is open that is a free program go ahead and submit your great ideas and um yeah and then lastly there's other organizations that want to leverage the entrepreneur certificate course that we offer we can white label it for you and provide you free free discount codes for your constituents um we are trying that with youth right now it seems to be a little successful so those are all like actionable items that we can take if anybody's interested
1: that's awesome Richard, thank you so much.
2: Thank you. Appreciate you guys. You guys yeah. Think, uh, lots of, maybe grab a beer and post. Cool.
1: That'd be awesome.
2: Though not golf.